Welcome to the Progressaholic Podcast. At Progressaholic, we highlight stories of individuals dedicated to the progress of self and society to educate you on creating impact within yourself and the communities that you operate in. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, we have with us Armando Cruz. Now, Armando is a connoisseur of experiences, a husband, a father, adventurer, best-selling author, ultra marathoner, lifestyle physical therapist, and legacy coach. Armando has climbed mountains, run over 100 miles in a day in swamps filled with snakes and alligators. As someone that's afraid of snakes, that is insane. Has also lived out of his car and has rollerbladed and surfed in hurricanes. But his biggest adventure has always been fatherhood. Now, it is my utmost pleasure to welcome Armando on the Daily Progressaholic Podcast. Armando, thank you so much for being My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. That's awesome. So, Armando, sorry, let's just start. Of course, I gave a little bit of your background, but let's just tell us to our audience a little bit more about yourself, um, sort of your background, uh, where you're from, and sort of leading up to where you are right now. Uh, born and raised here in Miami, Florida, in the U.S. Uh, I have three kids. They are 11, 8, and uh, 5. 11, 8, and 5. And uh, married to my wife for the past 13 years. This year we celebrate 14 years. And both my wife and I run a business. We have a fitness and physical therapy studio where we hyper-focus on helping people that have chronic pain eliminate it and now get back to doing the things that they love. with that, like you mentioned, I've written a book um, that was based off a lot of the coaching work that I do because I also do some coaching work with with married men entrepreneurs and uh, helping them to create a powerful and purposeful legacy. That's amazing. That's amazing. So sort of, um, I like how you sort of look at the external side, so the physical side of things and as well as the internal side. Sort of what is what would you say has been like the biggest issue that you've seen maybe on the external and sort of on the internal? It's a great question because uh, first of all, you're, you're 100% right. Uh, I started on the external, but in my let's just say in my travels, my journey, my life journey, I realize that each one. So you see, when I, when I started, let, let me, you might have to share the story. Of course. So, so to, to give context, when I started, I knew that I, I, so I ran track and cross country. I, in, in, in both high school, but also university, I played every single sport when I was in high school. I was very athletic, but I was never the best. Like I wasn't the guy that you like, man, this guy's so talented. Like it's that raw talent just bursting. It was like, no, this is a guy that grinds and puts work in and he has athletic ability, but because he puts in the work, he's able to be competitive. Yeah. I was never the Kobe Bryant or the, that, that person that just shines that you know what it is. Plus they add the hard work. Yeah. I didn't have that first part. I had the hard work part. I just didn't have the talent part. Um, so I became fascinated by how do I get better? Cause it was, it was more like a self-indulgent thing. Like I wanted to get better so that I can compete at a higher level. Yeah. So at the beginning it was just talking about, or trying to figure out how do I, how do I train better? Yeah. And as I started diving into that, I went into, Oh wait, 
in order to train better, I have to fuel my body. So I went and learned some nutrition and I started understanding the effects and the, the, the outcome of the nutrition. I started learning about the strength training. Okay, wait, uh, not only do you run and do your skill, but how do you get stronger, more explosive? Okay, great. And then I realized, well, invariably, if you push hard enough, you're going to get injured. So how do we avoid it? And if you do, how do we minimize the downtime? And I started really diving in deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper until eventually I realized, wait, all of that doesn't matter if what's between your head is not in the right place. Because yeah. there, were, there were guys that were much better than me, talent-wise, that I would beat because they would mentally crumble. Yeah. And I was like, hmm. You know, and I, you know, myself too, like there were parts, there, there was a threshold where I was good until I got to this point of pressure and then it wasn't. My brother, my brother's a great example. My brother is probably the talented, he's younger, he's six years younger than I am. Yeah. My brother was probably the smartest or is probably the smartest and is probably the most athletically talented. That being said, he's also the laziest. <laughs> Partly is kind of like one of the two. But my brother has something that's that to me is is amazing. It's mind-blowing, which is he's able to become a different person when the game is on the line. Like he performs out of himself when the game is on the line. Yeah. He wants the ball. He he he's gonna make the shot. For me, it was like what you saw in practice you can count on that I was going to do that. Like you knew what you were going to get. There's there no wild card with me. It, yeah. it was just, it was what it was. Whereas for him, it was like you were seeing a brand new player. He can get Kobe status in a second. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> wow. So um, there's different types of people, right? So first of all, understanding who you are. Sorry, that was a, a little digression. But what I wanted to share with that is kind of the process that while it started externally, I quickly realized that there's an internal component. Yep. And the work that I do, the work that my wife and I do, is not just internal, external. It's based off what we call the seven healths, okay. which are uh, spiritual. It is uh, emotional, physical, relational, financial, and adventure. So when we look at those seven healths, we start covering the gambit of life in its, in its wholeness. If you start addressing each one of these healths, right? Because I started in the health field. So I, how do I conceptualize it as health? Well, spiritually, okay, how, how do we look at that? You know, whether you believe in something or not. Yeah. It's what does that mean for you? If you're a religious person, okay, how, how do you grow in your faith? because that really now becomes part of who you are and how you operate in this world. So how do you dive deeper into that? Are you in alignment both, if you're saying that these are your beliefs, are you acting in such a way that aligns with that, right? Because okay. if there's a misalignment, all of a sudden we have problems. Yeah. If emotionally you're carrying this emotional burden that is weighing you down, you're gonna be exhausted. You're not going to be able to think clearly. You're not going to be able to, to, to do the things that you need to do effectively because you're carrying this emotional burden 
this emotional um, unclarity a lot of times. So part of the burden sometimes is not even knowing, like you feel weighed down, but you don't even know what it is. So yeah. that's part of what's what's going on yeah. is that you don't even know, even if you wanted to address it, you don't even know how to start because if I gave you a 50 pound pack or uh, a weight vest and I asked you to carry it all day, by the end of the day, if you're not used to doing it, you know, your shoulders and neck are going to be tight. Your back is going to be tight. You're going to be tired because you've been carrying an extra 50 pounds on top, right? Like that's what I think it's like, well, like let's just say 25 kilos. Yeah. Right. You know how to remedy that. Oh, I'm tired. My neck is tight. What do I do? Oh, I take this off and I set it down. Right. It's, yeah. it's a simple one. You know, there's a cause and effect when we're talking about the emotional stuff, it's a much harder thing because sometimes you can't even address that weight vest on you. Yeah. You don't know what's weighing you down. So getting clear, like a lot of the work that, that, that I do with my clients is peeling back the layers that are covering the actual cause of what, what is going on. Yeah. Right. Then we talk about the physical stuff. Now we're talking about, Oh, look, your physical health, your body, you know, moving in such a way that energizes your body. We're talking about, um, doing the things that reinforce more movement so that you're free to move so that you're healthy, so that your lungs can expand and contract much better. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else? Relational. Relational. Yeah. Relational. Right. So if we're talking about relational, uh, we are mammals. Mammals need tribe. They need community. Yeah. Unlike a reptile, a reptile gets born and there's like mom says, Hey, see you. Yeah. That's it. I did my part. And they're off. They're built in with that code to survive right from the second they hatch. Yeah. A mammal is not a mammal yeah. is very vulnerable. It is dependent for depending on the animal, let's yeah. just say, for a short period of time. For us, for many of us, it's like 18 years, right? That we're living with our parents 16 years, and then we get out into the world. And for some of us, even longer, right? So we're dependent for a lot longer. And so we need that community and understanding how to nurture a relationship, how to communicate more uh, extensively, more clearly. So yeah. that, so that you get heard, and you're hearing other people as well. Yeah, is that? Yeah, of course. That's amazing. Um, well, financial. I mean, financial. financial is a big one. If your financial health is poor, it's going to affect the other stuff. Yeah. Right. Because if you don't have money, you can't think. You you don't have enough money to know where your next meal is going to come from. You're not going to be able to do the bigger thinking things. Yeah. You're going to just be worried about surviving. Yeah. Right. So um, I, it's a more extreme example. Most of, most of us, if you're listening to this, you're probably not in that spot. I mean, the yeah. simple fact that you're listening to this tells me that you're probably not at that spot because you've, you're able to step away and listen to something to grow. You're already thinking about these kinds of things, Yeah. which if your only thought is how do I get my next meal? You're not thinking about the latest podcast. Yeah. It's not happening, right? This is just the way the brain works. It's, wants to preserve itself. And so yeah. one of the first things is, Hey, do I have food shelter? Uh, do I know what the next, where the next meal is coming from? Am I going to be under attack anytime soon by anybody or anything? Yeah. Right. Our brain goes primitive in that way. Yeah. Uh, and then adventure adventure. I, I use the word adventure as a mindset Interesting. and 
the mindset of curiosity, the mindset of possibility, the mindset of growth. Okay. So there are the physical adventures. And, you know, you talked a little bit on the intro about some of the stuff that I've done. And yeah, those, those are adventures. But yeah. in adventure, there, there are two main components that help us grow. Number one is the unknown, right? If, if you know the outcome of everything and you know everything that's going to happen, it's not really yeah. much of an adventure. It's like, okay, great. At first I do this, then this happens and it goes from there. So there's yeah. got to be a little bit of unknown. It helps you stretch beyond what the known is right now. That's why it helps you grow. Yeah. You're stepping into the unknown. The other part is suffering. Now, I know that seems counterintuitive because we live in a world where it's like, do everything that makes you feel good. Uh, be as comfortable as you can. And, you know, Tim, Tim Ferriss talks about it openly that it wasn't when he wrote the four-hour work week, it wasn't that you're only going to work four hours. But it was like, oh, he was just showing you, look, if you really wanted to work four hours, this is how you could do it. But it's not about working the four hours. In fact, very often people who, who don't have a purpose – you can only sit pina coladas at a beach for so long before you get bored and yeah. and and you feel like you're not contributing. We need purpose in our life, right? So yeah. suffering allows us to grow. It allows us to 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 push ourselves. Suffering is kind of like the mental and emotional weight training. It's when you're resistance to to fight against to get stronger. And so when you add suffering to this, there is a mental component that you're trying, mental and emotional component that you're trying to overcome yeah. and get stronger in order to become that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that makes a lot of sense. And thank you so much for breaking that down. So um, in a very detailed way, really appreciate it. And sort of now sort of in the emotional side of things, would love if you could give like a backstory to that as well. The emotional one, like I mentioned before is it's a difficult journey. It's a difficult journey. I, I'm in the process of figuring out a, an event, but I had this idea and I'm, I'm sharing it with you. Yeah. Uh, maybe somebody else wants to do it, but I had this idea. How cool would it be if, I, like one of my big things is running, right? I love running. What if I ran with a 50 pound log on my back? Wow. And on the back of the log, I'd have written, you can't always see the burden that people are carrying. Because it's very easy. You're, like the second I said the 50 pound log, you like your eyes were like, oh crap, that sounds horrible. Like it, that's heavy, <laughs> that's, that's hard, right? You could instantly see that that was going to be burdensome. That yeah. was going to take effort. Yeah. Let's now look inside emotionally how many people are carrying those emotional logs that we cannot see yeah and if we saw them like if you saw me walking down the street with a 50 pound log you're gonna be like wow first of all that sucks maybe does that guy need some help yeah right like there's compassion because you can see it yeah so the question is is what are the people around you what are those emotional logs that they're carrying that you can't and can you be compassionate as if you could see them? Yeah. And I share that for context because the emotion, like we are each dealing with our own emotional logs, if you want to call them. Yeah. And like I mentioned before, they're sometimes hard to point out. For me, 
I had a really massive one in my life yeah. and it had to do with identity. And maybe you or maybe somebody listening has ever felt like that question, like, who am I now? I don't yeah. know who I am. I feel lost. Yeah. I feel trapped. Yeah. That was the other thing. You might ever share the story? Of course, of course. We'd love it. This is probably one of the biggest shifts in my entire life. And it happened maybe seven years ago, six or seven years ago. Um, we have two kids at that point. My wife is pregnant with our third child. And we have been operating our business for a good seven or eight years at this point. Yeah. And again, I don't know if you've ever felt this way or somebody listening has ever felt this feeling of you've worked hard for something and then you've almost feel like, is that all there is? <laughs> is yeah. that all there is? I started feeling like that. And then to magnify that feeling worse, it started feeling like, wait, not only did it not feel the way I thought it was going to feel, I'm now feeling like I created my own prison. The same thing that I, that I was so excited to create now yeah. felt like it was the thing that was weighing me down like an anchor that I couldn't shift and move the way I thought I needed to. Yeah. And I felt lost. I felt lost because I had worked on this business for so long and I felt completely, completely trapped and lost by it. And the clients were awesome. We, I absolutely loved my clients. Yeah. But it was all happening inside. Yeah. Something that nobody, nobody could see. Nobody would understand. And from the outside, everything looked great, which is the worst part, right? Because, you know, I have a great marriage, wonderful, healthy kids. We have a nice house. We yeah. have a thriving business. And who was I to complain? Who was I to feel like, is that all there is? Yeah. And when I say, is that all there is, it wasn't that I wanted a million dollar house or that I wanted, you know, uh, a Bentley or like, it wasn't a thing thing. It wasn't that I wanted more things. Yeah. It was that I wanted to feel more fulfilled. Yeah. I wanted to feel like I was really making a difference. And I got to that point and I felt like, yeah, but who can I, who can I share this with? Yeah. Like this isn't something that, you know, most people are struggling to get by. Oh, poor this guy. He doesn't feel fulfilled. Yeah. Right. So on, a, on the grand scheme of things, I, I felt trapped by that very same success, if you want to call it. Yeah. And it got me to a point where I went into a deep depression. Uh, I almost bankrupted our business. I was turning clients away. Yeah. I would come home in the middle of the day. I would leave work and I would just sleep four to six hours in the middle of the day. I had no desire to do anything. I felt lost. I felt struggling and I didn't know what to do. Yeah. And around that time, I had a, a mentor, a, a coach of mine that reached out and he invited me to a retreat he had in Thailand. And I remember talking to my wife with who was pregnant at this time. And I... And I told her about it and she looked at me, she goes, do you think this is something that can help you get out of this? Because I don't know how to help you anymore. Yeah. And I looked at her and I said, yeah. Now there were two problems with this. Number one, like I said, I, was, I almost bankrupted the business. So I didn't have the money for it. Yeah. The second thing, 
is that the retreat finished two weeks. Sorry, the retreat finished a week before the due date. And okay. this was our third. So there's a good chance that the baby could come early. Yeah. And I'm halfway across the world. Yeah. There's a 12 hour difference. I remember her looking at me and after I said, yeah, I think it could help. She goes, look, then we got to find a way you need to do this because I would rather you miss the birth of our child on this one day than miss the rest of our lives because you're not the man, the husband, the father that I know you. Yeah. And that completely like, ooh, that was a really dark place in my life that had it not been for her courage I don't know where I'd be today. Yeah. I don't know where our family would be, our marriage would be, our business would be, the the interaction and the connection that that I'm able to to bring to our clients. Yeah. I don't know where any of that would be. Yeah. When I went to Thailand, what it helped me do was number one, gain perspective. Like if yeah. you think about the word retreat, there's two there's two definitions. Retreat, like as in retreat, oh, they're charging, you know, they're coming after me, retreat, yeah. back home, right? The other definition is to step away from your day-to-day life, to retreat from your day-to-day, to gain a little bit more perspective, change the tempo of your day, yeah, and to be able to reflect. That's what a retreat helps you do. It helps you step away from your day-to-day, so you have a different perspective the same way that if you looked at a cylinder, right? If you looked at a cylinder head on, it looks like a rectangle. If you look at a cylinder from the top, it looks like a circle. Yeah. The only way that you know it's the cylinder is if you start looking at it from all the way around, from different angles. Now you start getting perspective that it's not a circle, it's not a rectangle, but it's actually a combination. Yeah. It's a cylinder, right? Yeah. That's what a retreat to retreat and gaining new perspective does for your, uh, for your life. It yep. gives you different perspectives to look at life. I was able to see there, number one, there was nothing wrong with the business. And it, in fact, it was very much in alignment with what I wanted to do to create the fulfillment. I just couldn't see it at that moment. And while I was over there, we went through a series of, of processes and reflections that helped me see that. But the other thing it helped me see that I wanted to also work with men like myself, married men yeah. that were entrepreneurs, that were family centric and wanted to create a purposeful and powerful legacy. And essentially while I was there, I had the time, the space and the perspective to be able to create a program that I wish I would have had growing up so that I didn't have to go through some of these things that other men like myself would possibly be interested in. Yeah. So I made it back and three days later, the baby was born. So I didn't miss the birth of a child. That's amazing. And I wanted to share the context of that. Number one, because it's, it's part of my story, but you asked about a personal anecdote about the emotional stuff that burden that I had, that darkness, that, that, that weight that I was carrying yeah. was very difficult for me to see. It was hard for my wife to see, like to pinpoint it. Yeah. Having a coach or somebody from the outside is often a great way to see what you cannot see. 
Because yeah. very often, I'm sure you've had the experience where a friend comes to you and they're like, all worked up and they're like, oh, what should I do about this? And for you, like, how is this even a thing? It's like, isn't it apparent? <laughs> yeah. Like you can see it clear as day. Why? Because you're not in the fire. Yeah. You can see clearly you're in a different perspective. But when yeah. you're burning up, you're in the fire. You're like, what the heck? How do I get out of this? Yeah. Right? You fail to see the steps right next to you that you can climb out. Exactly. That's that's amazing. And sort of, I just wanted to, like for something that I could say personally that I used uh, with the emotional part, um, this is something that's really helped me. And as you said, that having that coach that sort of can sort of uh, look at it from a third third perspective. Um, so what I do with myself is, is that like, let's think about it logically. If you can see an emotion, you can't be the emotion. So if I can see a chair, for example, I can't really be the chair. Uh, so what I do personally is that, for example, if I get angry at something, or I get jealous of something, um, what I'll do is in that moment, okay, you express it, but then five or 10 minutes later, you go back to that moment and you sort of see the emotion that you were feeling. So sort of when you see that emotion, autom- automatically you drop that anger or you drop that jealousy. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if maybe it's, it's something that you had an experience with, maybe you could touch on it, but that's something that I've seen personally that's quite helped me on a decent amount. Well, it, it speaks to exact, the exact uh, thing that we were talking about, the log, yeah. right? So what you're doing is you're essentially addressing the log so you can put it down. Yeah. The mental log, you're, you're now seeing it. Yeah. And depending on the type of person you are, just by the words you're saying, you're probably a strong visual person. Yeah. Right? So you, you, for you, it's important for you to see something. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a high visual, high kinesthetic person. Okay. I need to see it, but I need to feel it. Oh, okay. So when I create, when I, it's one of the reasons why adventure, like those physical adventures are important to me in my yeah. growth. Yeah. There's different ways of doing it. But for me, the experience of feeling the pain and the discomfort of hike or running a hundred miles teaches me a lot. Yeah. You don't need to run a hundred miles for you to go on an adventure or for you to grow. Yeah. Like that's just my thing. Yeah. But find your thing. Know how you do. Like maybe you're really uh, acoustically uh, integrated. Like there's some people that are really auditory. Yeah. Okay. Well, how do you enrich that auditory experience so that you can decipher what those emotional cues are for exactly. you? Exactly. If it's visual, okay, maybe you draw it. Maybe yeah. you write the word anger out yeah. there and literally scrumble it up and throw it in the trash. So you like get it out of your head, you bring it into something physical, you throw it away and that's it. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, thank you so much for that. Um, from this, I sort of want to segue from this into, cause I was super fascinated by this. So when you send me your bio across, I was like, wait, what is this? You see, you ran over a hundred miles in a day in swamps filled with snakes and alligators. I feel like if I don't touch on this, our audience is going to be pretty mad about it. So I definitely want to touch on this. Just start off. Like how did that even happen in the first place? Just like give us an intro to that. And then from there we'll sort of, like um, yeah. expand on that a little more. I like the, the outdoors. Yeah. <laughs> I love the outdoors Yeah, and I love running. So I, like I mentioned, I ran track and cross country in college and I wasn't a sprinter. I was a distance guy. Yeah. And as I've gotten older, the distances have gotten longer and longer. Yeah. And I ran my first 100 miler last November. No, not 2019, 2018. Yeah. And I'm running my second 100 miler now in April. I live in Florida. 
there's okay. swamps and there's you know swamps there's gators and and swamp and and snakes you know yeah. i know you said that snakes are scary to you yeah they are very like they are scary to me but you know what's happened is that i've actually embraced it a lot more because because of my kids okay kids rarely have many of the fears that we adults do granted they do have some fears that are unwarranted like i have one of my sons when he was like five the oldest one he woke up and he was he had a nightmare he had a nightmare and he said that there was a bobcat in the oven <laughs> and i had to physically walk him to the oven to show him that there was no bobcat in the yeah. oven yeah you know but so, <laughs> apart from those kinds of things the kids didn't have any fears they would go and they would pick up lizards they would go and we go hiking and my son would see a snake and he would he would go towards it instead of run away from it yeah and i realized first of all in florida i need to know first of all the do all snakes kill you the answer is yeah. no there's yeah. only like four there's only four poisonous snakes in florida yeah at least native down here i, I you know maybe if somebody brought in a rare one but in general there's only four so once you knew that or once i knew that i'm like okay great now that i know that there are only four I don't have to worry about the other ones. I know that the other ones are not poisonous. I don't particularly love them, but I know they're not going to kill me. Yeah. Now it's like, okay, how do I master the ones that do kill you? And, and I'm able to know them quickly so that I can say, Hey, let's not touch that one because that one is poisonous. And now I can teach them. And the other ones is like, okay, you want to go after it. That's fine. Most of the times they just slither away. Like they don't want you to touch them. Yeah. But the reason that I embraced the whole thing with the snakes is because of the kids. I didn't want to instill fear. And most of fear is very often it's not, it's not knowing. It's a lack of knowing. I'm fearful yeah. because I don't know anything about snakes. If you teach me about snakes, I'm less likely to be afraid because now I'm like, oh, okay, this, one, this one's not going to kill me. Yeah. If you've ever been to a zoo and they bring out a snake – like the guy's petting it and he's like, look, you can pet it. Yeah. You know that the thing is not going to kill you because they wouldn't build, bring something out that was going to kill you at that moment. Exactly. At least you'd hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so their confidence helps with your confidence. Yeah. Right. So now you gain, okay, wait, this isn't a poisonous one. So even if it did bit me, bite me, uh, I'm not going to die from it. It yeah. may hurt, but it's not the end of the, it's not the end of the world. Right. Yeah, yeah. So going back to the hundred miles, it's a progression. I started off marathons and then that went into 50 milers and then eventually a hundred miles. And now yeah. I'm going to do my second one now in April. That's amazing. It's amazing. And I just want to speak a little bit more about the mindset of the hundred miles. I would, I would say that if you train it right, your, your mind will last your body any given day. Yeah. Because so the, the time that you're, the time that your brain gives up before your body, you're essentially done. Yeah. You're essentially done. If your mind gave up in the middle of the Ironman, even if your legs and everything feel fine, you're not going to finish it. Yeah. You're not because your mind is going to be the thing that takes you there. Yeah. So your mind has to be greater. When I did the 100 miler, after mile 27, this was in Alabama. Yeah. And in the mountains. Yeah. This, this particular 100-miler, in the mountains, I think it was something like almost 8,000 
8,000 feet of, of elevation yeah. gain. Yeah. When I think it was, yeah, it was like mile 27, 28. Every time I would step going downhill, it felt like knives going through my legs. Okay. So that means I still need 73, 73 miles to go. And every step that I take is excruciating pain. Yeah. You can't think 73 miles. Yeah. You're not going to make it. So all I was thinking about was get to the next aid station, like where the next, the next place that they give you water and food, which was sometimes four miles, sometimes seven miles away. And it was just singular focus. Go until you get to that next one. Then you stop, get some water, get something to eat, go to the next one. Yeah. I will tell you that that race did not go as planned. It took me almost 29 hours to complete it because I was going so slow because of all the pain, but I finished. I learned something there in that pain, in that suffering that I could never have noticed or never have known before. And that was, we are capable of so much because to think that I endured 73 miles, which translated to, I don't know how many hours yeah. of continual pain and to be able to finish. I remember crossing the finish line and I had two thoughts when I finished. I was, first of all, I was ecstatic. Yeah, of course. As soon as I finished, I was immediately, I mean, you've been pushing an adrenaline for more than a day at that point. I had like this whole flush of emotions right after. And then immediately after that, I had two thoughts. I was like, I can definitely do this faster and I can run 200 and 300 miles. Wow. That's what, that's what my, because what I realized is there's a point where physically you can only train so many miles. Yeah. Right. Especially that I'm not a professional. So I have, I run a business, I have family, like there's a finite amount of time that I have to dedicate to that. Yeah. But what I realized there was I didn't get to that finish line because of my training or because of my physical training. I got there because of my mind. And my mind was still my mind, which means I could have kept going. I liked that I got to stop after 100, but mentally I was like, okay, wait. The mind can continue doing this yeah. for 200 and 300 miles. That's the kind of mindset or that's, that's the lesson, that's the growth that I had in running the 100 miler. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. But sort of like, so like, what would you say, like, I'm, for, for, for example, I'm training for a marathon uh, and I'm pretty inexperienced. Like, what would you say would be the mindset that I should take in every single practice that I am doing, in every single training session that I'm doing, and then leading that mindset into the actual race, for example? Gotcha. Yeah. It's a great question. And I think that's, that's where specificity comes to mind. Okay. Be intentional with, or be clear on what the purpose of each run is. Okay. The purpose of each run is not to gas yourself every day and to, you know, everyone, Oh, you got to crush it and you got to grind it and you got to put, no, if you did that, you're not going to last. You're going to get injured and you're going to be exhausted before you even get to the start line. Yeah. There are days that are supposed to be easy. Yeah. There are days that are supposed to be hard. Yeah. Go hard on the hard days, go easy on the easy days. Yeah. Right? Don't let your mind say, 
oh, today's an easy day, but you know what? I can still go hard. Yeah, but you know what? You're going to pay for it because on the next time that it's the hard day, you're not going to have the legs to reach the level of speed that you should to actually mm-hmm. maximize the hard day. Yeah. So you, you end up robbing your future because your intention wasn't clear. Yeah. Right? Um, one of the things that, because everybody likes to look at the 100 miler and they, and they say, wow, you know, the 100 mile was an amazing experience and I learned a lot, but nobody really understands what happens before, what happened before that. Yeah. This 100 miler essentially started four years before where I found myself really inconsistent. At the time, I had no, no thought of running 100 miles. At the time, all I wanted to do was be more consistent. And all I said was, can I do 10 minutes of movement for 30 days? That's it. Okay. 10 minutes of movement. Movement meant stretching, walking, running, calisthenics, weight training, yoga, anything. Move yeah. your body 10 minutes, but do it every single day. Don't miss a day. Yeah. Could I do that? Yeah. And I did that for 30 days. And I was like, huh, can I do it for 60? I yeah. did it for 60. Huh, can I do it for 90? Once I finished 90 and I didn't miss a day, I was like, can I do this for a year? I did that for a year and a half, almost actually almost two years. And then I had this idea of what would happen if I ran every day for 30 minutes, for 30 days. Wow. Can I do it? Yeah. And I did that. And when I got there, I said, well, let me finish five weeks, right? Because 30 days is not five weeks. You know, you're in the middle of a week. Yeah. Let me get to five weeks. When I finished the fifth week, I said, what would happen is after every five weeks, I added 15 minutes. So the next five weeks, I did 45 minutes. Yeah. And then I did an hour. And I did that all the way to two hours every day for yeah. five weeks. And then at that point, I was like, I feel great. My body's adapting wonderful. Can I do a 100 miler now? And I looked it up. I signed up and I kept training and I did it. But that, that whole process, everybody sees the race yeah. and the result, Yeah, the journeys where they missed, that's where the biggest growth happened for me. Yeah. Four years before that started with 10 minutes and it grew to a hundred miles. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that story. Uh, that was, uh, as someone that's hopefully trying to run a marathon in the future, that was uh, a big, uh, vo- big motivation personally. Um, I just wanted to sort of segue from that. I really, really wanted to cover this before we sort of let you go because I thought this LinkedIn article that you wrote was super, super impactful. Um, it was uh, like it was a LinkedIn article called "Explicit Content: How High Performers Influence." Um, you sort of brought the idea about being explicit um, and how I think it was the captain of one of your sports teams and how you were sort of getting, you were walking to the party, and uh, he was drunk. And he was apologizing to you about it. Hmm. You were a little surprised as to why would the captain of the team apologize to me about it? It's because you had your values sort of in place and you stuck to them. And you were explicit about it. That sort of helped you to be influential. So my question would be like, how can you sort of develop the polarity to be that explicit? I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with. Um, to sort of, I was super intrigued by it. So we'll love your thoughts on that. Uh, thank you for bringing that one up. I wrote that one a while ago and, and I had, in all honesty, I had forgotten about that. I had written that. Yeah. So that story in and of itself is said, like it really stood out to me. Let yeah. me just give you the context for the story and then I'll, I'll fill that in. 
I, like I said, I, I played basketball. I played baseball. I played, at this point, I'm a sophomore. Okay. The, the seniors are at this party. I'm invited to the party. The, one of the, the, the captain is a senior. Yeah. And he sees me when I'm walking in and he's already drunk and he sees me. I have not said anything. Yeah. I haven't even gotten in the party yet. Yeah. And he sees me and he starts apologizing, just like you said. Mm. And to me, I'm like, I'm not judging anyone, but everyone knew that I don't drink. Yeah. Like if somebody asked me, no, I don't drink. Like it was a, it was a non-issue for me. But because I was very explicit, and when I say explicit, I mean I'm very clear. Yeah. Not I'm saying bad words. It's I'm very clear on what I tolerate, what I don't, what my values are, what my values are not. Yeah. And that allowed me, like you said, to have influence and impact him. When he saw me, he's like, he knew that he was doing something that he probably shouldn't. Yeah. Right? he had lost control, right? Because look, whether you want to drink or not, that's something. The second you're drunk, you've lost control. Yeah. You're no longer in control. The, the alcohol is in control. Yeah. The whole point of being explicit as a high performer is, are you clear enough on what you believe? Yeah. Are you clear enough on the path that you want to take and what your big vision is enough to communicate it so that anyone that knows you knows where you stand. Yeah. And there's no there there there's no need for assumptions. Yeah. Being able to draw those lines, not in a bad way. It's not my way or the highway. It's like, no, no, these are my beliefs. Yeah. If we want to do things, this is the way I'm going to do them. I'm not willing to sacrifice on this. On this over here, fine. Not that important. It doesn't it doesn't conflict with my values. But on this that conflicts with my values, I'm not willing to do that. Yeah. Right? So the whole point of the article is first of all, how can you get clearer on your values and your uh your vision, your beliefs, so that you know where the line is for you, yeah. what you're willing to cross and what you're not. And then the other thing is there are too many people that don't even have that line. Yeah. And that's a bad thing. So if you're not clear on your values, then you never have a place to take a stand. Yeah. You move with the wind. One day you're this, one day you're that. Yeah. And it's fine because for a lot of people, you, you mesh with a lot of people. Yeah. But you, you stand with no one because the second the wind sways again, yeah. there's, there's nothing, there's no foundation there. Yeah. And so it's important for you to have a stance on things. You can still respect someone who has a different stance. Yeah. But when it comes to your own values, if you're not if you're willing to to dilute your own values, then how important are those values really to you? Do you yeah. really believe them? The clearer you can get on that, the more polarizing you can become, not necessarily in a bad way, but it actually moves the needle. If you're vanilla, you don't move the needle. Yeah. I mean, look, it's not the greatest example, but our president moves the needle. Yeah. He's polarizing. Yeah. Right? Like he just is. He yeah. just is. I'm not condoning it. I, you know, whatever you may think of him, there's a clear line that's drawn in the sand. 
And there's yeah. people all over the place. Look, we talked about earlier, Kobe Bryant. Yeah. Kobe Bryant was a great player. Personally, I couldn't stand him. Yeah. There was a certain attitude that I didn't like about the way he was. That didn't mean I didn't think he was a great player. I just like, ah, he's just not my my cup of tea. Yeah. Right? Like it just, the personality I didn't I didn't jive with it. Yeah. But he was still an amazing player. His yeah. work ethic was second to none. Yeah. Right? I can honor that. I can appreciate that. But I can still have a disagreement. I, ah, he's not my not my cup of tea. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Right? Definitely. Does that? Yeah, it definitely clicks. It definitely clicks. Uh, thank you so much. Because I just wanted to get a little bit more context from your side of that article. Because I personally thought like that was incredible. I haven't read about that in many other places. So sort of you bringing up that example as well, that was pretty impactful. Because a lot of our audience is pretty young. So that's something that really sort of connects, I feel, with me personally, at least. So I know that we're sort of running out of time and I don't want to take up too much, too much of your time. So sort of, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much, um, Armando, for taking the time out to be here, to drop all that wisdom on us. I mean, like this episode went on longer than I expected because you were just dropping so much insane value that I just didn't want to cut you off. Um, so again, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for taking out the time, man. I really, really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. And also just sort of, could you tell us like where our listeners can reach you? Sure. Uh, probably armandocruz.com is my website, is one of my websites. Uh, you can look at the book. And if you're interested in learning a little bit about the book, it's legacycodebook.com. You can go there. You can read more about it. If you yeah. want to purchase it, you can purchase it on, on uh, at Amazon as well. And then um, I would say I'm on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, those are the main ones. I'm on Twitter, but I'm rarely on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, I do different things. So like on Instagram, I do more of my creative stuff and my adventures. LinkedIn, I talk a little bit more about more of the business stuff and the health stuff. Yeah. Facebook, same thing. Yeah. So depending on what you're looking at, you're going to find me on those Perfect, guys. So I'm going to drop the links below as well, guys, that you can reach out to Armando. And again, thank you. Thank you so much, man, for taking the time out to be here and uh, to drop insane, insane value for us tonight. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. Thanks. If you liked any part of that, please, please, please leave us a review. It will mean the world to us. Please let us know your thoughts, how you think we can improve and continue providing more and more value to our community because we are here to serve you and make sure that you have the best time possible and continue progressing within your journey. Thank you very much.